You're listening to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast, where we firmly believe food should fuel your life, not restrict it. Each week, one of our registered dietitian nutritionists will motivate and educate you with accurate and reliable nutrition information to help you achieve your health goals using food. Whether you struggle with yo-yo dieting, weight loss, portion control, or simply just understanding the right eating patterns to get real, lasting results, you're in the right place. I'm Dietitian Kate, nutrition expert, ex-cardio bunny turned barbell junkie, and your host for today's episode. Are you ready to dive in? Welcome, everybody, back to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast. I am thrilled to be here, to be alive, to be thriving. Hope everyone listening is too. Hope you're doing good. We're recording this on a Tuesday afternoon. And by we, I mean me, Kate, and a very special guest. She is a dietetic intern, specifically my dietetic intern, my very own. And what a dietetic intern is, for anybody unfamiliar, I like to compare it to a residency of becoming a dietitian. So just like a doctor has to work in the hospital with other doctors and really understand the craft and get their hands dirty per se in the work of being a physician, a dietitian has to do the same thing too. So after they get their degree, their four-year degree, they go through a nine to 12 month internship where they are working with dietitians and learning about how to be a professional. And then they get to take this really long, intense exam that is credited and gets them off to being a successful dietitian on their own. So it's quite the process. And I'm lucky to have a dietetic intern who's interested in working one-on-one with people just like I do. Her name is Macy Thornhill, and I'm going to let her introduce herself to you guys. What up, Macy? What up? Well, you saying that about the exam doesn't make me very stoked about taking it. (laughs) I know it's daunting. This guy's this daunting. Yeah. <laughs> Is it the what do they what do they call the study materials? It's like called gene. Yeah, I have a gene and men review. Um, it's a thick binder full of wordy material <laughs> over everything I've learned in school. <laughs> Wordy is the understatement oh, yeah. of the year. It, this is dense, you guys. And okay, the thing about dietetics, which I think is hilarious, and let me know if you agree or disagree, is how random our curriculum is. Oh, yeah. One minute you are reading about how to plan a, a or an industrial kitchen in a restaurant, and then you're learning about organic chemistry, and then you're learning about food chemistry, and then you're learning how to manage an account for, you know. And then calculating uh, tube feeding. <laughs> and helping someone it's lose weight <laughs> it is the weirdest thing and it, that's what makes it so special though is because we learn all of these different things and then through your internship you get to really niche down and pick out what kind of dietitian you want to be and how you want to help people so kind of share with people what your main interest is yeah so um I am a yoga instructor as well as being a dietetic intern, um, and I've been teaching for God probably about six years now and practicing for eight. Um, so I've learned a lot of things over my time doing this. So um, when I went to school for nutrition, I was kind of wanting to make yoga and nutrition combine, but I wanted to do something a little bit different than the actual just something a little bit new and fresh. Um, And I've really been into this idea of mindful eating. 
And I learned about it. I've heard different things. I've listened to other people talk about it and it connected with me, but I felt like I could do more as someone who is knowledgeable in nutrition and also knowledgeable about yoga. And what I mean by that is the mind body connection of yoga. So. Yeah. For anyone who has never done yoga, you have to try it. Don't be intimidated about it because if you are pursuing a healthier diet or just wanting to be more grounded and in connection with the food you eat and your body, yoga teaches you that. It's not just being flexible. It's not being able to just stand on one foot. It really is connecting how you treat your body with how you think. And I feel like you can explain that better, like what the mind-body connection really means. And kind of relating it to how that affects how people eat. Yeah. So, I mean, I would say as an example from my own experience before even ever doing yoga, it was just, you moved through your day. It is what it is. And that's it. And after having practiced yoga for so long now, I'll let you know that it did not happen right away. It took a few years for this to happen. Um, But you start to notice that everything's kind of connected Um, and I mean, what we put in our body is affected on how we move, how we feel. Um, and so if we're sitting and we're gorging on food, it's going to translate into how we feel, what we think. And what yoga teaches us is to kind of sit back and reflect on what we're doing, why we're doing and asking yourself deeper questions so that you can kind of be more in tune with what's going on, um, like little do we ever think about how we how our muscles move or how our digestion's working. Um, but being connected to this mind-body experience allows us so easy to just kind of turn a switch and think about it. Turn a switch. I like that. I like the mindful eating practice of well, I like the the whole practice because it makes you recognize those eating habits that you do on autopilot. Mm-hmm. A lot of us, like you said, go through our day just kind of doing what we always do. And we don't stop to think, why do I always grab for this kind of food? Or why am I always thinking about this kind of food? Why am I craving this? Why do I eat like this? How come right when I sit down to eat, my meal's gone in five seconds yeah. flat? <laughs> like, why, what are my eating habits like? So when you pause and reflect, you can really start to identify those things that might be getting in the way of your overall mm-hmm. Exactly. Especially what's going on with right now. I mean, we're all stuck at home. And how many times a day are we all bored? <laughs> and the only thing to satisfy our boredom is going to the fridge and staring at it for a couple minutes <laughs> until you find something. Um, but yeah. especially right now, it's just so easy to get into this mindless habit where you're sitting in front of the TV because you have nothing else to do. And it's habit to eat popcorn or chips when you eat when you're watching a movie or it's just natural to eat dinner in front of the TV. Um So, and and I think it's just especially hard right now, just because we're home. Sure. I noticed that when I started to switch my work schedule around and I was working from home half the time, how my automatic eating habits were easily swept under the rug because I didn't want to face Mm. them. I didn't realize that I felt like I always needed to be eating something in the middle of the day and I stopped ignoring my hunger signals I was like oh it's 3 p.m I just eat a snack at 3 p.m it's what I've always done it's always how I've eaten when I worked in a hospital and I worked the traditional nine to five Mm -hmm. hours 
And now it, when I realized that, and when I looked myself in the mirror and I was like, Oh, Kate, like you really need to address these unhealthy eating habits because you're not even paying attention to your hunger. Like there's no reason for you to have a snack at 3 PM. If you're not genuinely hungry, you're just doing it out Mm -hmm. of habit. So once I recognized that I could be more mindful of my hunger. And I see this with clients a lot, people who just kind of have these habitual eating habits. And like you were saying, they pair eating with certain activities and they can't fulfill an activity without having some kind of food or drink associated with it. And they wonder why they, they feel like crap or why they can't lose weight or why they are not sleeping very well because they're eating sugar at you know 10 p.m. right before mm-hmm. they go to bed or whatever it is. So our goal for you in this podcast is to A, help you slow down a little bit and learn some mindful eating tips and B, also identify your own automatic eating habits and figure out how to change them so you can become more of a mindful eater. So Macy, I know that you had this um, really, really great workshop that we did last Friday where you hosted a yoga mindful eating webinar. Since everybody's at home, we can't actually go and attend a yoga class in person. And it was just awesome. And that's why I wanted you to come on the podcast today and share some of the tips and how you define mindful eating for our listeners. So um, first I'll start off with defining mindful eating because we've thrown that word around a lot already. um, And it gets thrown around a lot in our society and it's this new fad thing to do. But what is it? It's it's something that is so hard to understand when we're getting thrown at so many different directions from from it. So how I define it is it's basically slowing down, being attentive and understanding things. Um, It's understanding how your thoughts are going, how food is working and just being aware to everything. (laughs) And that's not an easy thing to do. Um, so with this mindful eating practice, what we really focused on was chewing, swallowing, and intention. I would say those are the three big things that we focused on. Um, so first of all, the chewing being the recommendation is that we should be eating or chewing 15 to 20 times for each bite, which I don't know about you, Kate, but I don't do that. (laughs) It's, (laughs) <laughs> especially now when I'm watching TV or on my no, laptop exactly <laughs> like bite swallows or, or even if you're like ravishingly hungry and you go to cook yourself lunch and you scarf it down like you're probably taking what maybe five chew like you're chewing it five times before you swallow it um <laughs> that's generous <yeah. laughs> but th- the reason and it's not saying like oh sit there and actually count 15, 20 times that you chew the food. It's saying that you slow down, put the food in your mouth, taste it, enjoy it, be kind to yourself as you're still chewing. And then by the time all of those thoughts go through your head, it's been 15 times and then you can swallow. (laughs) Can I say something about that? During your yoga workshop, you had each of us participants have a snack on deck that we could just easily grab and and eat while we were doing the practice. So I had grabbed this bag of baby carrots that has been in my fridge for a while and I did not check the expiration date. And I tell you what, you sitting there making me chew this little baby carrot 15 times was horrible because it was bad. I was just chewing myself. (laughs) Like, ew. I don't know. So there was a few times I like kind of 
took the carrot to my mouth and then I snuck one to my dog. I'm like, he'll eat trash and other dog poop. Like, he'll eat this nasty carrot. But my point is, if I hadn't been so mindful, I might have just kind of eaten a few carrots before yeah. I realized that they were bad. So tip number one would be check the expiration date before you practice. <laughs> I haven't learned that lesson the hard way. But that actually brings up times. a good point that sometimes we eat food and we realize we don't actually like it until we actually sit and eat it so yeah Yeah. so say something like first thing that comes to my mind is like jalapeno kettle chips or something like that we have that in the house so if I actually sit there and chew it that jalapeno is really hard for me to chew it's like not comfortable to eat something that spicy so why am I eating it Oh, that is so true. There has been so many times where I just kind of eat something and I finish it. And then I sit back and I'm like, eh. yeah, yeah. Why did you even <laughs> waste the the time, the energy eating it, whatever. There was this one time we went to a hibachi grill and I'll never forget it because this man sitting next to us woofed down his meal. And I don't know if you've ever been to a hibachi grill, but they give you insane portions i mean they just put noodles and rice and meat and veggies and all this stuff on your plate this man woofed it down and he literally sat back in his chair crossed his arms grunted he went "Mm, i've had better (laughs) and i'm like what yeah right the way you ate that there is no way you've had better but that's what makes me think of your point it's like did he even taste the food Yeah. And the other thing that comes from it too, is like when we actually sit down and start thinking about these things, we eat less. Mm. You know what this also makes me think of is when you watch those cooking shows and they have the people who taste test the desserts, Uh they're always like normal sized people. You know, you'd, I'd always thought I'm like, Oh my God, if I was a dessert taster, I would be (laughs) a rolling. Because you would eat the whole cake. They're all yeah but they they take that bite and they they experience all the flavors and they're probably conditioned to taste things so they can slow down and savor things and enjoy a decadent piece of cake in a normal small portion versus me who would see chocolate cake and just Starf it down. channel yeah. my inner hungry hippo yeah. yeah yeah and then be like whoa what was that like i need another piece so i can just taste it again <laughs> I didn't quite get all the flavors there. Okay, so I'm getting (laughs) off track here. I'm starting to have um, flashbacks to the Christmas that I was obsessed with the holiday baking Now we're going to make everyone want chocolate cake. (laughs) 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 Well, if you do, just taste it. So your first tip would be chewing. Yes, chewing the food longer experience, like you you said, experience the flavors and sensations, the textures, um, the mouthfeel, how you chew, start to think about all of these things that go on in your mouth and in your taste buds and your tongue and all of these things. Um, and I promise you'll definitely chew more than you normally would. <laughs> and you enjoy the yeah. meal, right? Especially especially if you put time and effort into cooking it, which is kind of a problem with all of these highly processed quick convenient meals that we have and I'm not saying processed foods are all bad like don't get it twisted but if we just peel off a plastic wrap for a frozen container and we zap it in the microwave it's a lot harder to sit down and savor the taste of that sodium (laughs) than it is if you you know put a little elbow grease and prepare a meal in your kitchen I mean it's kind of if that makes sense yeah something about savoring 
yeah, that brings up a point that I was actually going to bring up too, is um, this thing that we also talked about in the workshop, um, food gratitude. Um, Mm -hmm. So like you said, with just putting the food in the microwave and pressing two minutes, I mean, do we think about what is all contained in that food? Um, I mean, yeah, you can read the nutrition label and see that there's chicken, there's rice, whatever. Um, But how hard did you work to get that food? I mean, we go to the grocery store, pick it up, put it in the microwave. That's it. Now it's convenient. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, But sitting and cooking your own meal or going to a farmer's market and buying produce or um, going to the grocery store and being intentional on what kind of meat you're buying. um, All of those things are deeper steps into this mindfulness practice. And it falls into this category of being grateful about where your food came from. So you can even go deeper in that and say, okay, where did this food grow? Who made it? Who touched it? How did it get to the grocery store? And then you start to step back and realize there's a lot of work that went into making this meal happen for me right now. Yeah. I like that you mentioned going to the farmer's market. There is something very, what's the word? I don't want to say magical. (laughs) maybe humbling yeah. about going to or maybe colonial <laughs> about going to a farmer's market because you know you pick up a tomato you see the farmer who grew it they tell you a little something about it you feel it you touch it it's almost a spiritual experience yeah. versus when you just you know op- open up a can of diced tomatoes and plop it in your you know whatever it is that you're making I mean it's still you can still appreciate the tomato that's coming from the can and you can still feel gratitude for it, but it is just a different experience. And I know that when somebody gives me, you know, some kind of fresh thing that they brought from their garden or they cook me something from scratch, it is a lot easier for me to slow down and appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, it is. I mean, even making like growing stuff in my own garden here, like we sit down and actually enjoy the meal and we like notice all the flavors and the textures and how different it tastes than something I would buy at the store. Um, and it's just like, you're pride, you're proud of it. You're proud that you grew this from scratch. And again, that's not saying that everyone needs to grow a garden because that's not realistic for everyone, but it's stepping back whenever you buy a food and be grateful for how it got to your hands. Sure. And not everyone can grow a garden, but I guarantee a lot of people can grow herbs. I mean, even if you grow your own basil, and you know whatever else people grow obviously I don't do a good job of that can I make like a product (laughs) promo is that allowed on these things (laughs) yeah make a um there is this product called aero garden I think that's what it's called um and it's basically an indoor herb grower it's so like it is idiot proof (laughs) I would say um you just put it in some part of your house that doesn't have sunlight um And it has this natural grow light and you can plant herbs, lettuce, I think even like little um, grape tomatoes. um, And it just, all you do is feed it a liquid feed once a week and then it grows. That's it. Any potheads listening, get any ideas? (laughs) Only if it's legal in your state. Exactly. Disclaimer. (laughs) But the whole point is anybody can do it. And if you, you know, you can grow herbs and you can also challenge yourself to make things from scratch. So if you can't necessarily grow produce, are there certain staples that you can make from scratch? 
bread is all the rage yep. right now. Meg and I talked about it in another episode. She and I are both on a bread making train. And I tell you what, before when I would make, you know, buy a loaf of bread from the store, I would just toast it and kind of eat it mindlessly. Like, oh, it's bread. I like it. Now I make a loaf of bread and I critique it and I look at all of the rustic edges and I taste it and I want to share it with everybody. I take pictures of it. (laughs) So I just, and I appreciate it more and I don't feel like, I don't know, I can't really put it into words, but you just, it's a spiritual experience when you create your own food. And I see people making their own pasta and baking all of these things that maybe they never had done Mm -hmm. before quarantine. And I think it's really cool how that it's kind of challenging people to go back to the roots of their food and think about what can I actually make? What can I stretch? What can I do to really, really uh, make sure that if forever there were no grocery stores and I couldn't access food, how can I create it myself? And then you appreciate mm-hmm. it more. Now, I don't know about you, but, and let me know if you do feel this way, whenever you do make something like that, whether it be the bread or cookies, um, anything, you kind of sit there and you enjoy it and you don't usually overdo it. Would you say that's true oh, for yeah. you? It's, I would say it's true for me when I get into a consistent routine of doing yeah. it because the first time I make cookies from scratch, it is hard for me to portion control because I'm like, oh my God, I got homemade cookies here. But the more often I have something fresh and that I, I made myself available and a few weeks go by where I always have something, it kind of loses that lackluster. And I'm like, of course I have fresh bread. I always make yeah. fresh bread. I'm Kate, so the fresh bread maker. <laughs> and I can have a normal slice of bread or whatever thing I've baked, and it's not that big of a deal mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah, exactly. But, but yeah, it's easier to savor. And, and that's with anything, too. Even if I don't make it from scratch. Even if I go out to eat to a nice restaurant and I get a meal and I know that it is higher end. I know that there's a chef that made it. It's a unique experience. I don't scarf it down the same way I would if I went to a steak and shake and got double steak burger with fries. Mm-hmm. Like that's gone in a second. Yeah. So that actually would lead me to my next tip then would be to pretend like every single meal you eat is like that really fancy meal. Um mm. So every time that you cook something, even if it's something like a frozen dinner, still sit there and pretend like you're going to eat it like you would a really high end meal. Now, I mean, that could set us up for low expectations because, I mean, a $5 frozen meal is not comparable to a $40 steak. (laughs) Hey, speak for yourself. (laughs) Don't tell Marie Callender that. <laughs> but if you go in with that intention that you this is a great meal, you are providing nourishment and food for yourself, and you're going to eat it with all this intention and savor it and actually enjoy the meal, it was it's going to taste different and it's also you might be full quicker. That is a wonderful point. And if you can't necessarily control what you're eating, whether it's due to budget or what you have available in your fridge when it's time to eat, you can, to a degree, control your environment. So if you can't, you know, eat um, at a five-star restaurant, can you set up your kitchen to be nice and clean? Can you light a candle? Can you have a nice placemat? Can you make sure everything's organized and tidy? Because eating in a chaotic environment is stressful and you are more likely, in my experience, and this is just anecdotal, or you're more likely to just scarf it down and not enjoy it. But if you sit down and make the environment peaceful and nice, 
you're going to eat slower. And that goes hand in hand with making sure you're actually sitting down and eating a meal. So many times I see people walking down the street and driving and eating. And I'm like, are you even tasting? How do you walk and eat a banana? Like that's just, that's just crazy to me when I see people do that. I have to sit down, but I just can't help but to think, are people actually enjoying that walking taco from the Frito bag? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. If someone doesn't know, a, a walking taco is when you open up a Frito bag, like a, the chip bag, and someone dumps a bunch of ground meat and taco toppings on it. So like cheese and sour cream. And it's usually found at fairs and stuff. And people walk around and eat them. And I'm like, are you even tasting that? Like, <laughs> That reminds me of the probably the worst mindless eating I ever did was I was running late to something as normal. And I didn't eat breakfast. So I made, I got myself a banana and a jar of peanut butter. And I was driving while scooping peanut butter onto my banana. <laughs> Woman, okay, first of all, were you driving with your knees? Because that is talent. Probably. <laughs> Disclaimer, don't don't try that at home. <laughs> Unless you have a Tesla, I guess. So that Yeah, that would that work. work. That could work. But <laughs> anyways, the point of that being that it's oh. mindless at that point. Like I should have gotten ready earlier and just ate it instead of, Mm-hmm. rushing around or whatever um yeah. but what you were saying earlier brings me to my next tip um turning Ooh. off your phone and the tv when you eat um oh my god this is a hard one for it, me yeah it is hard I mean especially since we're so attached to our phones but cre- like you were saying create an environment that is going to promote these healthy habits is going to be key to making sure that you are, you're allowing yourself to be mindful about those practices. So I remember all the time I would sit in front of the TV and watch cartoons and just be staring at the TV. I never looked down at my plate (laughs) and just constantly my hand was going to my mouth and within three seconds, all my food was gone. I'm like, wow, I'm still hungry. (laughs) Um, You go back from Yeah, but it's the same thing with our phone, too. Our phone's in our left hand or whatever hand's non-dominant, and you're just staring at it, scrolling, and food's piling into your mouth, and before you know it, it's gone. And then you go back for seconds, and you may not even need seconds. You might be full. Your body not be noticing that you're actually full because you're not paying attention to what you're doing. If you don't believe this to be true... You need to try it because there, every point you've just made is spot mm-hmm. on. When I force myself to plug my phone into the charger and leave it in a different room, even when I'm not eating with other people, even when I'm by myself and I just sit there, <laughs> I, I eat slower and I, I just taste everything. I don't want to go back up for seconds because that means I'm not using my phone yeah. or entertaining my mind. And this goes the same for people at work. This is something I see a lot. Uh, a lot of people I have come in, eat at their desks. They eat while they're working. Mm-hmm. They eat while they're answering emails. And so it's the same issue. It's just kind of the work version of yeah. it. And I encourage people, I'm like, you know what, why don't you go to a separate area, even if it's a break room, even if it's outside on a bench, and just step away from your computer, put work away for a minute, because that's going to stress you out, and that impacts digestion. Just focus on your food for 20 to 30 minutes. If you can't, if even better if you can eat with coworkers or eat in a social environment, but if you can't, you just got to get away from your from your work while you eat. I mean, baby steps if you need to look at your phone or listen to something, but definitely don't work and eat at the same yeah. time. That's, that's not a good Yeah. Mix. When I was at my um, rotation in the hospital, 
I, we, I mean, dietitians work in a closet at the hospital. It's the ugly truth. <laughs> um, so well, yeah, well. there, so during my break or on all of the dietitians break, they would just go to the cafeteria, get their lunch, come back up into the office and eat while they were in front of their computer. Now, sometimes they weren't working. They might've been like on their phone or something, but they still came back into this office environment and ate their food. And I started doing Dude, that I too. That. Well, I, yeah, I did that too. And I hated it. <laughs> I, well, it sucks for you. Cause you're an intern. And when you're in that intern position, it's kind of hard to be like, I'm going to go sit outside yeah. because then it makes you look like you're lazy yeah. or something. Well, then at a certain point, like I was just so miserable with it. I put my foot, I didn't even say anything. I said, I'm going to go eat my lunch outside. So I, yes. <laughs> I went outside and sometimes I put music on. Um, and honestly, sometimes I did sit on my phone, but I was away from that environment. And I think I savored my food a lot more because I was thinking about it. Cause there's, there's literally nothing else for me to do. <laughs> there was no it's just nice yeah it's nice to like take a minute like what when did we all become these like indoor workhorses that's one thing I hope that quarantine helps people realize is like you can take a break to enjoy a meal and go outside I remember when I worked in the hospital we were in the same kind of boat there was like almost 30 of us in this big room tucked away you know in cubicles next to each other and every day at 11 o'clock, because we were grandmas, we all ate early, <laughs> we would go outside also because we would beat the lines at the cafes mm-hmm. and stuff. But there'd be a group of us that would go sit outside by the lake and we would go around the whole entire office and do our rounds and just kind of like call out people by name and be like, hey, you coming out for lunch? You come to lunch? You want to meet us for lunch? The amount of people that wouldn't take a 30 minute, even a 20 minute break to go sit outside and eat blew my mind. I'm like, how that, like, I, I get it. Like we have work to do, but like clock out for a minute. Like, yeah. Geez. And I mean, that's going to help lower stress and anxiety related to this work environment. Um, and, and again, going in even, so if it's in that social setting, it makes it enjoyable and it makes you look forward to that every day. Um, or, mm-hmm. or if it's something like you crave being alone, cause I know that's how I was there. I just wanted to be not talk to anyone cause I spent all day talking to people. I just craved oh that alone time. Um, so whether you're an extroverted person or an introverted person, like use that time to recharge. I mean, working eight to 10 hour days is that's, that's not easy, especially now. I mean, like I take a nap every day. <laughs> I eat what I want. Yeah. When we go back to work, it's not going to be like that anymore. So like, yeah, like you said, I hope that everyone can learn from this and be like, okay, I need to give myself 30 minutes a day. Like that's nothing in our 24 hour day, 30 minutes. That's it. I'd argue that 30 minutes isn't enough. I, mean, I would I get too. Practicality raises. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay. This is my like perspective. I'm like, humans should not, we're not meant to be sitting in a box, AKA an office to work all day because we live our life in little boxes. We, we wake up in the morning in our box. We leave our box to drive to work in our box and we get to work and we enter a box and we sit in a box and we stare at a box. We have multiple boxes sometimes that we're staring at at once, phone, computer, whatever it is. Uh-huh. And then we go and we open up our lunch box and we sit in front of our box looking at, you know, and I'm just like, <laughs> that is just not how humans are supposed to live. No wonder everyone's so crabby all the time. Yeah. Like take 30 minutes. Damn it. And if you, I, I, and okay, we're realists, right? I'm sure there's people listening to this right now and they're like, that's not possible for me. I get that. So if at work you can't do it, you 
try to make time at breakfast or dinner or if you have a snack. I mean, if you can sit down at home and have a breakfast, if it means waking up 20 minutes earlier instead of at your car, or if you make sure that family dinners is a priority for you, that's just fine. That's just as good. The more meals you can have that you slow down and you savor, you eat with others and you're in a relaxed environment, the better. One a day is better than none a day. And it will translate into other meals the more you practice it too. Uh, truth bomb. Mm-hmm. You said it. So, all right, well, and so tell us a little bit about the, the, is that all the tips you had? I didn't know if you had more. Yes. Um, I did want to give one disclaimer though. Um, the first Ooh. time you do this without your phone, without the TV, it is awkward as hell. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have a little yeah. baby step tip. I know. I think I talked about this. Me and Megan did way back when, if you, and this is me because sometimes I I'm alone and I get a little bit like weird in my thoughts. And I find that even if I sit down without some kind of stimulus, it kind of makes me rush through my meal. If I know that like, Oh, once I'm done, I can look at my phone, yeah. which is not healthy. A baby step tip is, like you said, to listen to music or put on a podcast that doesn't stress you out, okay? (laughs) I don't want you listening to the news or horror murder crimes unless you're a sociopath and that relaxes you, whatever. (laughs) But listen to something interesting, a story, something that doesn't stress you out, and just keep it away so you can't grab it, but it still entertains your mind. But you're, you know, listening to something is different than like watching something. I think it's a good stepping stone. Yeah, because your your vision is fixated on the food. And so therefore your mind's going to be a little bit more fixated. But yeah, music is great. I sometimes like just think listening to like soft music or like ambient music, something that's like Mm. just kind of bouncing waves in your head. (laughs) Not really. Yoga playlist. Yeah. Not something like you want to scream and shout to, or you're like, oh, this is my jam. (laughs) But if you don't know me, Macy, I don't know if I told you this, but I love like gangster rap music. So do I. Megan always gives me trouble for it. Yeah. (laughs) So you don't need to be listening to like Gucci No, something that will. Juice World. Something that will promote digestion and align your chakras. Well, maybe Drake, some of his songs. You can have your own, like, you know, eating hip-hop playlist yeah. where it's more of a, like, R&B. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I do have a yoga hip-hop playlist. <gasps> so Will you share that with yeah. me? <laughs> I tried to find yoga hip-hop on YouTube the other day, and it was okay. It was The girl went really, really fast. I had no idea what I was doing. If there was a fly on the wall, it would be on its back <laughs> laughing at me. But if you could send it to me, I would be... I'd be happy. Yeah, for sure. Kate, Kate would be happy. <laughs> okay, tell us a little bit about chakras, because this was all new to me, and I think this is fabulously interesting. Yeah, so um, we talked about that in the workshop a lot, and that's pretty much how the workshop flowed, was we went through all of the chakras. Um, so basically, all they are is energy centers. They are physical points in your body that ignite certain sensations or feelings in our energetic body instead of our physical body. Um, so it's a very kind of out there concept. It's something that you, it takes a lot of practice to really feel these things. And I actually just read that they develop at different years in our lives, which is super interesting. Um, yeah. So the first chakra that we talked about was, um, this crown chakra and what that is, is, It sits right above your head and it's literally just this energy field that's hovering over your head. 
And that is the chakra that develops the latest in our life. It's around 50 years old. And it makes sense because this crown chakra um, is defined by wisdom or gratitude. Um, so the first thing we talked about in the workshop was this crown chakra. And it was basically, we were just meditating and trying to get deeper and deeper into things that are going on in our head. So first thinking about these noticeable physical sensations like touch, sound, smell, those things, and then getting a little deeper into like your organs and your muscles and your bones, because we don't really think about those all the time, but we, we are still aware of them. But then getting even deeper and focusing on how our emotions come up, why we feel the mm. things we do, what we think about. Um, and so talking about that crown chakra, getting deeper into just everything that's going on in our body. Um, so it's a very high wisdom, high thinking, very hard thing to fully connect to. I, I don't even, obviously I'm not 50, but like I am not fully there yet. And it takes years of experience to be able to develop it. Um, so definitely the hardest one. <laughs> yeah. Listen um, to that. I'm like feeling okay. This might sound a little bit over dramatic, but I'm like, I feel like a failure. <laughs> know how to feel all these things <laughs> yeah no it, it's hard feelings. especially yeah especially if you've never tuned into stuff like that um because mm. I and, and it's hard for me to say some of these things too because I started practicing yoga when I was 16 so obviously our 16 year old brains don't work as our young adult brains do whatever um but the thought processes that I was having as a young teenager are not the same as they are now, naturally. But I also feel like I can be at this higher sense of awareness still as a young adult, whereas a lot of people don't even think about these things. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, and I also just had like this weird existential moment where I was like, well, the things I thought about when I was 16 years old, I don't want to think about it. And nobody needs <laughs> to know what was going on in my mind at 16 years old. But then I was like, what am I going to think when I'm 50 about what I was thinking about when I'm 26? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. you hit, it's a hit blunt moment. <laughs> yeah. And so, and that's, what's crazy. And then, so as the, so the chakras going backwards a little bit, they're numbered as like the first, second, third chakra, and there's seven of them in total. And so that crown chakra is the seventh one. And again, it's that higher sense of thinking, that thing that comes when we're older mm. and wiser. So it makes sense. But in this workshop, since we're talking about food, we, think about food, we eat food, and it digests, and it, we excrete it. And so the way I formatted this workshop was doing it backwards, thinking about the food, getting that energy center worked on, eating the food, literally passing each chakra as we eat, and then we excrete it. So it's been touched by every energy center. If you could pinpoint maybe the most important chakra when it comes to eating and digestion is what would you say that it is if there is one yes um definitely it's called the solar plexus chakra now i'm not going to try and butcher the sanskrit name i i don't have a good um language tongue or whatever is sanskrit um, like the yoga of language or the yes. language of yoga yeah yeah um so the solar plexus chakra sits right above your belly button um, so say right where your stomach is. Um, and that one literally governs metabolism. So mm. 
therefore it aids in digestion. <laughs> so when you sit here and you focus on the chakra, now this is one that develops probably like late adolescence, preteens area. So we all should be able to kind of like, if we focus our mind to where that is, we can kind of feel something swirling around there. Mm. Um, and what, when you focus on it, you can start to notice how your digestion's feeling and like, maybe you can even connect to foods. I'm eating the food. Purpose of food is to literally give me energy and nourishment. You can feel the, the food extracting all of its properties so that it nourishes you. Now that's again, really high way of thinking about it. But if you sit, think mindfully and focus your energy on this area, it will come eventually. I'm thinking of questions that I would get if I was a listener who maybe had no idea about any of this, which, you know, honestly, I I have a very light understanding of it. Is there a way to strengthen your solar plexus? Would that be being mindful of it more often? Because I know I'm just trying to think of like, uh, you know, somebody who hears metabolism and Mm -hmm. they hear, oh, this plexus, this chakra is related to my metabolism. Is there a way I can strengthen it to increase it or to improve it? That's a good question. Um, I would, and it's a hard answer too. So our chakras are, like I said, they're energy centers. So they can be in balance or out of balance. Just say like hormones can be in balance or out of balance and they cause different issues. Or um, so say with the solar plexus chakra, if it's out of balance, we tend to gain weight. Um, And again, this is all just a theory. It's not literal because there's no obviously science behind it but um we tend to gain weight because our metabolism has slowed down our digestion has slowed down because we may be stressed or anxious and that may cause it to be underactive but you can Mm -hmm. also be on the other end of the spectrum where it's overactive and that we then you would be losing excess weight you would be fatigued all the time um and again, di- you may have issues with um, like diarrhea or something like that. No, that's not like a fun thing to hear on a podcast, but um, it, <laughs> it's something that can happen. And so with the chakras, it's it's more so working to make them balanced rather oh. than work on it to make it stronger. So from my knowledge on it, I would say that finding ways to reduce stress and anxiety and maintaining balance in the energy you consume would align that energy field. That makes a lot of sense, especially if you can kind of rephrase it or rethink about it in maybe physiological terms. Because when I meet somebody who might have lean limbs, but they tend to carry a lot of their energy in that belly section, in that abdominal region, I can usually tell right away that they're high stress individuals, whether it's mm-hmm. mental stress or physical stress. It's a lot of times these people who are over exercising and they're on the go all day long and they are restricting their diet. So their body's under stress from every single angle and they wonder why they can't gain weight. They're really, really on edge and you can kind of see that manifest physically. And I mean, that, you know, there's lots of different reasons for that. It could be, you know, you said the word balance, all of your chakras in balance. Well, it's also like your hormones being in balance. So your cortisol hormone, that stress hormone, hormone is connected to your 
hypothyroid because that's connected to the pituitary glands that kind of joins the adrenals and the thyroid. So if one of those things in the chain is out of balance, well, then your cortisol is going to be out of balance. And so that's kind of how I see the chakras, you know, mm-hmm. kind of working down from that axis. If one's out of whack, that's going to have an effect on how the other one behaves. Yeah. And it's also too not obsessing over it too and being like all of them need to be aligned all the time because uh-huh. like it doesn't necessarily work like that because yeah. life isn't like that um, you can't control but, everything no <laughs> but and honestly probably the only people whose chakras are fully aligned are like the high yoga gurus who don't do anything but meditate <laughs> and I bet even theirs kind of flow in and out of alignment too just as because do. they're they have human natural- Yeah, they've got natural fluctuations, life happens. I mean, you can't be all zen and flowy all the time. You probably wouldn't survive very well. I mean, there's times where you need to be stressed. Stress is a good thing. Stress Mm -hmm. helps motivate you. It helps get you going. It helps get you out of danger. Your nervous system goes in and out of two different types of systems where it's got you on edge and it has you moving And then there's times where you're supposed to rest and relax and digest, as we often learned in biology. So it's kind of learning to be able to flow in and out of different states to help, you know, stay balanced and and stay healthy. Mm -hmm. Now, I mean, here's a little bit more down to earth example, too. Um, When we have stress or anxiety, I mean, how many of us notice that we get bloated a lot easier or like we have issues with our digestion or we get backed Uh up or like you have that pit in your stomach and things just aren't moving that the way that they want to anxiety is going to do that um I mean I can say from personal experience and from a lot of people I've encountered when they are high stress or they have a lot of anxiety that hasn't been um worked on it just it it blows them up like a balloon I mean um you physically feel in pain from your anxiety because your food's not digesting. And so if we can meditate or even just focus our mind on that solar plexus area, not only will that help with our digestion, but it might even help us with our anxiety. That is so true. I always, I feel like that increase of IBS patients, the irritable bowel syndrome patients and clients that I see is pretty high and they're almost all high stressed individuals and a lot of us as dietitians want to blame everything on food right it's what we're eating it's you know the the chemicals in our food that's causing all this digestive distress which it very well may be there could be a a huge factor and and, um, validity to that but I also wonder like well as people's lives get more stressful as we have all these things we need to do as we live in this American culture of work, 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 do, 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 productivity all the time. And we're seeing a rise in that. And we're also seeing a rise in digestive concerns and funky, you know, um, bowel disorders. I mean, funky might not be the best word, but there's just so many (laughs) different things that can go wrong from CBL. But to wonder, is it stress related? Is it stress related? Or is it all just food? Do you have any YouTube yoga recommendations? Yeah, um, so I can give a plug for my local yoga studio, One Love Yoga. Um, they are doing online classes on YouTube as well as they have like Zoom 
stuff as well. Um, and I actually have one of my own yoga classes on there as well. Um, so wait, if we wanted to do yours, what would we search? One Love? Yeah, in One Love Yoga. And then there, the title of my class is Vinyasa with Macy. And all that means is just flow movement. It's not terribly too hard. I would say it's like beginner intermediate class. So Ooh, okay yeah. I'm gonna check it out I'm gonna do your class cool. your uh webinar class was awesome yeah so thank you all right well Macy if anybody wants to connect with you specifically how can you yeah do that? um I am on Instagram I've never gave my own Instagram a plug um but it's <laughs> Macy Lynn T so M-A-C-I-E-L-Y-N-N-T and um yeah my name's spelled a little bit funky so m-a-c-i-e and um also on facebook um i'm teaching yoga classes at one love and i'm also looking into making my own youtube channel for yoga um so i mean i can send you out a link whenever that gets up it should be by the end of this week so awesome yeah well, Macy, thanks for taking time out of your busy, busy intern <laughs> quarantine schedule to come on our podcast. I learned a lot. I thought it was fun. And I hope everyone else learned a lot, too. So thank you yeah, so thank much. thank you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Thank you for listening. I hope this episode was helpful. For topic requests or to apply to be a featured guest, please email kate at orlandodietitian.com. Want more nutrition awareness? Check out our blog for recipes, nutrition tips and tricks, as well as product recommendations. Our website is www.orlandodietitian.com. Dietitian is spelled D-I-E-T-I-T-I-A-N. This has been Dietitian Kate, and until next time, keep it real and keep it healthy.